Pastor's Cut podcast for the week of October 22nd, 2023. Here we go. We're deep into the fall, which means uh, most of us probably have some fall travel plans coming up. So let's banter just a little bit. <laughs> so uh, hopefully everyone's just going somewhere for fall. Um, Marissa, what do you got planned with the family? Well, we have fall free days coming up. So we're going to go down to Broken Bow. This it, is a is new it, thing. They don't, don't call it fall there. break anymore? I don't know. Fall free days, fall break. OBU might be the ones that made fall free days stick in my head. Fall free days, gotcha. Term, okay. but, um, because in Oregon, we had no such holiday. What is this? I know. And then I come to Oklahoma, and it's like, no, we took a break in fall. Same in Texas. Yeah. Same in Texas. There was no fall break. <laughs> yeah. I'm not against it. I'm yeah. not going to contest it at all. No. no Give us we the just, free days. We but... just slogged through. Yeah, so. yeah. <laughs> Bro- Broken Bow. We're going to Broken Bow. Did you know that in the future, when the Klingons come to Earth for the first time... <laughs> uh-huh. It's, it's is, a broken bow. This is, this is fact. This, this is fact. This is future fact. Yeah. That's where that's where first contact was first made between the Klingon Empire and humans. Well, could they have chosen a better place than something called Broken Bow? Broken which, Bow. That sounds very which Klingons. Which Klingons is this? <laughs> Klingons and Bigfoot can duke it out. Yeah. No, this is part of the this is part of the Star Trek universe, and, yeah. and I, I think it's the Klingons heard about all the nice cabins and the beds and breakfast bed and beds and Be- breakfast beds and or breakfast. And, uh, yeah. So okay. Yeah, you need to watch uh, Star Trek Enterprise, the uh, the one with. Captain Archer, and that's oh. the opening episode. Is I was called. Say, I missed that part of the lore, but broken bone. Yeah, I missed it too. <laughs> yeah. So look for the Very Klingons. Cool. Okay, I will. Dave, what are, what are you doing? <laughs> Well, by the way, Marissa, that is a lovely fall sweater that you have on. Thank it's you very, very fall much. colored. It's the morning sweater for the afternoon heat wave. That's going to be. I can yes, shed it. Go. Perfect. Yes. So <laughs> we are going to go just a quick trip to hang out with Ginger's family in the lovely city of Branson. Hey, Woo! bald knobbers! You doing bald knobbers this time? I don't know what we're going to do yet, but <laughs> we are a, a part of the trip. I'm sure we're going to stop by Ginger's alma mater, CFO, and check out the campus. I bet we'll go to the Keter Center as part of that trip. Yep. Um, but I would venture to say we're going to do something fun in Branson. Okay. When you come back, I expect you to be able to pull your lip up over your bot over your head like the bald knobbers. Really? Just kidding. Is that is that a thing in <laughs> Branson? Oh, it is. Yeah. Wow. I've always been kind of too nervous to go to the bald knobbers. No, I'm not I'm just, sure. I've never been. Don't know. You've never been, but you want me to go, and you want yeah. me to learn how to do it. Report back. Report back. <laughs> okay. Brad, you do anything fun? Um, no. No, not at all. Uh, okay, I, I, I tend to go trout fishing at some point, uh, which I've managed to do every day off for the last several days. Um, but yeah, it's, it's fall weather is conducive to great trout fishing. There you go. Enjoy it. Uh-huh. Well, I won't uh, give away any more details than this, but we're going on our first vacation, first family vacation with all of our adult children. So this is kind of a new era. Mm-hmm. A new time, so we'll be taking some time here in the next few weeks to do that. Um, okay, so I was having coffee this morning with um, a friend, and he said, you know, how do you prepare for a podcast? And I go, oh, <laughs> how do you prepare for a podcast? We don't really script this out, but I found myself saying something that I've never articulated before. I said, you know, as we teach through the Scripture, we're not trying to be interesting. We try to be interested in what we're talking about. Yeah. And when we're interested in what we're talking about, then I think being interesting, hopefully, 
flows out of that rather naturally. Mm-hmm. So I enjoy that we are all interested in the scripture, mm-hmm. and I think we are very interested in what we're going to talk about today and who we're going to talk about, the Holy Spirit. And this is um, part of our Apostles' Creed series. We've talked about I believe in God the Father, I believe in, in God the Son. Now we believe in the Holy Spirit, and I don't think there was a better place to talk about the Holy Spirit than to start when the Holy Spirit first came on the disciples at Pentecost. Mm-hmm. So uh, when we say, what do we, what do we believe? Well, we believe in the Holy Spirit. Uh, the challenge here is the Holy Spirit is an enigma, a mystery, mm-hmm. uh, so much that we don't understand, but so much that we can understand from the church's first exposure. And I'm just babbling on, Marissa, let's just I get into it. it. <laughs> um, so let, let's it's appropriate for Holy Spirit it, it, week. <laughs> Babbling. All right, so let's read Acts chapter 2. Um, by the way, I, I will point out here, um, Luke writes both the gospel and the book of Acts. Um, in Luke 1, he, uh, the birth of Christ is foretold. In Acts chapter 1, the giving of the Holy Spirit is foretold. In Luke chapter 2, Jesus is born. And in Acts chapter 2, the Spirit is given. So we kind of see this mirror image happening here between Jesus being foretold and coming into the world and in the book of Acts, the Holy Spirit being foretold and coming in to our lives. And so it's, it's again, part of the birth of God coming into mm-hmm. the world. So why don't you read, Marissa, we'll uh, take this in two sections, Acts okay. chapter 2. Uh, let's just read 1 through 13 for right okay. now. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Now there were staying in Jerusalem God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Then how is it that each of us hears them in our native language? Parthians, Medes, Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia and Pamphylia. I'm confident in those other ones, but keep going. Phrygia and Pamphylia, (laughs) Egypt and the ports of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongues. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said, they have had too much wine. You know, so all those names, you kind of get into them, and once you're in, there's just no way out. The only only way out is through. I knew Phrygia was going to trip me. It's tough. (laughs) All right, so here we have the giving of the Spirit of Pentecost. Marissa, why don't you talk to us first just a little bit about Pentecost and sure. its Older Testament connections, and then we'll we'll leap into not only when this happened, but what exactly. Yeah, happened. this is one of those things where it's like, okay, well, I'm interested in this, so I hope it's interesting to you. I think it will be. I'm a vessel mm-hmm. for interest. There we go. Um, but there's so many really incredible and meaningful reasons why God chose to give His Holy Spirit at this time, and we kind of think as Christians, or maybe we don't really think about it much, but we kind of think that the Pentecost began on the morning in Acts 2, but it's a feast that has its roots in Exodus and Numbers and Leviticus and continues to be celebrated around the world by Jews, both secular and observant. So um, in Luke twenty four forty nine, Jesus tells his followers, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you're endured with further, uh, power from on high. 
And as you referenced, Acts 1 says, uh, Luke restates this promise, but you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. So the, the, the early church, the believers in Jesus, were just waiting here after Easter. And Pentecost means 50. So you have 50 days after Easter when this occurred. Like, like Pentagon. Pentagon has five sides. Pentecost, yes, 50. Yeah. And it's also known, and that was the Greek name for the festival, but it was also Shavuot, and that's the, mm. the Hebrew name of the festival in, in seven. And it sounds kind of like Shavuot. So, that's right. Um, so seven weeks after, after Passover, or 50 days after Passover, and if you're going with the motif of creation, this is the day that God rested upon his people. Um, so it's this, this completion of um, what was given to the people at Passover, which was physical freedom from Egypt. And then you have what was the reason behind that liberation? Why did God free his people? And it was to become reconciled with them. So that fulfillment, um, Shavuot and Passover are seen as this unit of, of God's promises to his people. And it's a night when um, people spend, you know, it's, it's kind of like Thanksgiving for us. It's a harvest festival. It was the end of the wheat harvest. Yep. It was also uh, uh, traditionally thought of as the day that Moses um, brought the Torah um, to the people from Mount Sinai. So you have this joyous celebration where first fruits are brought to the temple, and um, it's kind of thought of as a joint between Thanksgiving and a wedding celebration between God and his people. Very nice. So you have people staying up all night reading the scriptures from the book of Ruth because of its connections with David and the harvest and from the Psalms. And, um, and it's just to become um, kind of like in Thanksgiving where we gorge ourselves mm. and, <laughs> and we eat out of uh, Thanksgiving for all of God's blessings. We kind of like eat this abundant feast um, to say thank you to God. Well, the Jewish people will stay up all night gorging on the scriptures out of thanks for the Torah. And, and they will, will stay up all night to do this, um, also to um, prepare for the bridegroom. So as they see themselves as the bride of God, they want to be ready for his coming. There's Midrash that says that the people of God um, overslept on the day that, uh, that Moses was given the Torah, and they don't want to, they want to correct that mistake mm. by staying up all night with the scriptures. So just being very, very prepared for whatever God has to tell them. So, so there's a little bit of connection. Well, not a little bit. There's, there's, there's so a, much connection. So there's much more. connection. There's, there's more is, connection. <laughs> there, there's a lot of layers here. For me, I and I won't go into this in the message in in, uh, in its entirety, but there's a couple of la- layers here in terms of the Pentecost being the feast of first fruits. Mm-hmm. And so what we, what we see here is the first fruits of God putting the deposit of his Holy Spirit into people. Mm-hmm. Also, the idea of Pentecost being remembrance of giving of the law, but now it's even better. God is giving himself to his people. So there's a lot of layers here. So, Dave, you've been suspiciously quiet over here. Um, (laughs) Just listening and soaking in the the Jewish history. (laughs) So that's when it happens. Talk a little bit about what it happens. What what stands out to you? I I love that there are people from everywhere Mm -hmm. that are in Jerusalem. They've come from from every known place in, in the Roman world. And they, they, they speak the common language, but they also have their other languages. And, and there's this sound, there's this tangible attraction of the Holy Spirit that, that catches people that says mm-hmm. there's something unique that's going on right there. I have to find out what it is. I have to find out what's going on. I want to be a part of it. And so something about that tangibleness of God's presence draws people in. And 
then they want to know more. They want to know what's going on. And we ended the passage there. So I will withhold going ahead of that. <laughs> yeah. But, but Because something it's feast, you have people from all over right. the known world at that time. Yeah. Yes. It was one of the three pilgrimages to the temple. So it makes sense that all these people would be there. Mm-hmm. There, there's also an element, another layer to this is the creation element, because mm-hmm. the first time we see the Holy Spirit in the Bible is actually in Genesis chapter 1. It says God's Spirit was hovering over creation, over the chaos of creation. So another layer to this is here's the Holy Spirit coming, uh, and I'm going to quote here Ben Myers. He's written a, a wonderful book on the Apostles' Creed. It's, it's short, it's punchy. Uh, he takes each uh, phrase of the Apostles' Creed word by word, um, he says here, the spirit broods over the chaos of human nature. Mm. So you see all of these different people, all their backgrounds. The spirit broods over the chaos of human nature, lovingly piecing together the fragments so that together we form the image of the creator. Mm. And so as the Holy Spirit is brooding over creation and bringing all of it together, bringing order out of chaos, so too here the Holy Spirit is brooding over all these different languages, all these different people, pulling them together to form one body of Christ. Mm -hmm. So you see the order coming out of chaos Mm -hmm. in all of this. Um, I I will talk in the message um, about the the three things that are seen here or experienced. There was a sound like the rushing wind. Mm -hmm. So you have the Holy Spirit and the the wind, the Ruach of creation in the Old Testament. Fire, uh, fire is a common symbol for God in the Exodus so not only do you have a creation picture, you have a salvation picture. And then uh, speaking in other tongues. So literally the Galileans were able to speak in tongues that they had not been trained to speak up to this time. So there was a, a change in their character and their abilities. The Holy Spirit brought new, new powers with, uh, with him when he came. I find it interesting here, you know, as, as the disciples are speaking in other languages, the people who are critical go, how do these how do these Galileans know mm-hmm. how to speak? And so one just little interesting side note, how did they know they were Galileans if they were speaking in their native tongues? Um, and either they could identify them by their dress, which is less than likely because most people dress the same in this in this time. But maybe they were speaking these new languages with a Galilean accent yeah. to it. <laughs> you know, and Galileans had a way of um, kind of swallowing syllables and not articulating some gutturals. So they were hearing them in their native languages, but they were speaking with a Galilean accent, hmm. which says that, uh, you know, God will give us new abilities, new capabilities, but he's also going to use our personality in that as well. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think there's a, an interesting little take there. Um, anything about that first part of the passage before we move on? So there, I learned a new word yesterday, mm-hmm. um, xenolalia. Mm-hmm. Nice. Uh, the... What happened as as the Jews or as as the the Christians were speaking the native language of everyone else? They they were speaking in a language that that supernaturally other people were able to hear and understand. So that's words for the nations. It literally from the Greek is what that means. But there's big terms in charismatic circles about glossolalia, speaking in tongues. This wasn't glossolalia. This was something that was clearly understood by everyone around them. Mm-hmm. That's right. So, Dave, you went there. Um, we often hear the Holy Spirit associated with speaking in tongues, uh, which is um, the way I interpret that as a, a special language God may give His people to communicate in a more intimate way beyond mere human words. Mm-hmm. Um, I think anyone who has a concern with that 
needs to take it up with Scripture because it is a scriptural gift. Yes, you can look at, at 1 Corinthians 12, 1 Corinthians 14, you can look at Romans 8. There's, there's several places right. where that's mentioned. And just because it's outside of our realm of experience doesn't mean it's outside of the realm of possibilities. Mm-hmm. And so, but what I would say is this, what's happening here in Acts chapter 2, is not that. Yes. What's happening here are the disciples speaking in known languages mm-hmm. as a way of God saying, I want this message to go to everyone. Mm-hmm. And another connection, another connection point that you've probably heard before in a sermon going back to Genesis chapter 11. Here's a reversal of the Tower of Babel right. where, where right. God confused people so they couldn't be united because they were trying to conspire against God and somehow get better than God. Here, the Holy Spirit comes to unify people in homo thumidon and unity, and God's message, the gospel, goes out as people are speaking in tongues, and people are coming from all over hearing in their own native language probably the truth of the gospel, which is why then Peter stands up with everyone else in unity in the next passage we'll read That's right. and shares the gospel. Mm-hmm. So I, I do want to just point out verse 13 that uh, some people made fun, saying they've had too much wine. Mm-hmm. Um, when, I, when I teach this here in a few weeks, I'm going to have some fun because... Uh, whenever my kids got their wisdom teeth taken out and they were under anesthesia, <laughs> they said some crazy things yeah. when they were waking up. And that's that's kind of the feel here of uh, when people are drunk or when they're coming out of anesthesia, when they're under the effects of drugs, they talk, they say some crazy things, yeah. right? And so some people were just critical and say, oh, they've just, they're high right now, basically <laughs> is what they're saying, okay? But... Um, the next part, and I'll have Marissa uh, read verses 14 through 21. This is what happened now. What does this mean? Sure. And so, Marissa, if you would uh, read that. Please. All right. I'm, I'm having to resist saying a whole lot more about the tongues of fire and things, but I'll, I'll go to verse 14. Okay. <laughs> then Peter stood up with the 11, raised his voice, and addressed the crowd, fellow Jews and all you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk, as you suppose. It's only nine in the morning. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in these days, and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord, and everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. So I want to dip into Trinitarian theology here for just a moment. This is not not perfect. It's not clean. It's not neat. But it seems throughout the Scripture, it's God the Father who commands. God God the Father says, here's the will that I want to have happen. It's Jesus who executes that will. Jesus takes the initiative. You know, it's God's plan for everyone to be saved, so Jesus comes to earth. The Holy Spirit's role seems to be completing what Jesus started. And so God wills salvation, Jesus comes, and now the Holy Spirit completes that by God himself indwelling his people. And if there is one walk away, one application that I would hit hard if I were teaching this, is be filled with the Spirit. Mm -hmm. In the Older Testament... Uh, People are given the Holy Spirit, particular individuals, usually a king or a prophet. Uh, And then the Spirit Spirit only came for a short time. 
And Saul would be the quintessential example of this, that he was filled with God's Spirit, he became a different person, but it wasn't too long before the old Saul exerted himself, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And we see that temporary giving the Spirit. But now, the Holy Spirit comes and takes up residence in God's people. And so teach whatever else you want to about this, but... <laughs> well, not whatever else you want not to. Not whatever else you Listen, want to. Listen, guys. <laughs> and Jesus said in John 5, um, God gives the Spirit without limit. We can have as much of God's Spirit as we want. So mm -hmm. uh, that's how I would teach this, be filled with the Spirit. We'll talk about what that means here in a moment, but what are you guys thinking? I mean, a great study. If if you're teaching this, maybe just you know, pulling out other passages in Acts in particular where where it says the disciples were filled with God's Spirit and what that meant, what that looked like, what happened, because... God's Spirit continually fills believers. There's a moment when we accept Jesus as our Lord and Savior and invite Him into our heart that the Holy Spirit comes in us and fills us, and we get to experience the fullness of God's kingdom. But the text tells us the disciples were continually filled with God's Spirit, and then as a result of that, they went out and they engaged with lost people, and more people came to faith in Jesus. And so there's a refilling of God's Spirit continuously to, in order to invite other people to experience Him for missional purposes. And so we can, as followers of Jesus... We have everything we need when we accepted Jesus into our hearts, um, when we invited him to be our Lord and Savior. But at the same time, God wants to continually fill us with more of his presence so that we can engage with more people who are far from him to know and experience his goodness. And, and I'll correct another extreme of theology here, because there's one vein of theology that says that speaking in tongues is, is not biblical. Well, it is. It's clearly taught in Scripture. Mm -hmm. There's another vein, another extreme that says you don't have the Holy Spirit unless you speak in tongues. So that also, I believe, is, is a departure from the scriptural norm because tongues is one particular gift. Mm -hmm. The Holy Spirit gives so many different gifts, and it's not always um, manifest in the speaking of tongues. But if you want to see somebody who's really changed by the Spirit, don't look at their gifts. Look at the fruit. Yes. The fruit of that person's life. That's evidence of the Holy Spirit's work. And so we see that. We see the fruit of the disciples and the good that they're doing to the world around them. Marissa, what mm -hmm. are you thinking? Yeah, I'm just thinking about, again, the the gift of the Torah and that being the point of the celebration there in Jerusalem that day and how through the gift of the Torah, the line of communication between God and humanity was established and this great gift of his grace and giving his word. And then you have this expansion and fulfillment of that line between uh, God and his people by the rest of the Holy Spirit. And uh, there's a quote by uh, Rabbi uh, Yisrael Glick that says, the giving of the Torah affected an incredibly profound change in our relationship with divinity and in our ability to change the world. And that sounds so familiar to what the Holy... You're laughing at Glick. It's not, not Jimmy Glick. This isn't a Martin Short thing. It's he, He's a respected <laughs> rabbi. Um, <laughs> the giving of the Torah affected an incredible profound change in our relationship with divinity and in our ability to change the world. And that's the same thing that we receive really trying really hard. I'm trying hard not to say anything. So, <laughs> and each of us as believers in Christ, that's what the Holy Spirit should do to us as well. So if you're having a bad day, just, <laughs> Look up some just go to YouTube and type in Jiminy Glick. Martin Shorts, uh, he, he, wears this, he wears a fat suit, and he <laughs> pretends to be this inept interviewer. And it's just, he interviews everyone from Jeff Goldblum to Tom Hanks to, you know, whoever, Jerry Seinfeld. Mm -hmm. He is just absolutely... 
Hilarious. I'm so sorry, Marissa. You that's, were trying to, hey, you were listen, trying that's to okay. Say, oh, listen, no. sometimes the banter overflows. It, it does overflow. <laughs> You're trying to be real spiritual, so. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but at the end of. But it was your fault. You knew, you knew when you said that name what I was, I was scared. Be I, I was hoping that the spirit mm. would, you know, Move compel you to. No. Mm, no. <laughs> um, but at the end of re- the re- study. Re- repeat of, the point because in my banter, it's probably been Lord lost. Almighty. Okay. Say the giving again. of the Torah affected an incredibly profound change in our relationship with divinity and in our ability to change the world. So if you see that mirror in the giving of the Holy Spirit, that's exactly what the Holy Spirit does for us as well. Perfect. Mm -hmm. And after the night of intensive study, of uh, joyful study, um, you have this renewal of wedding vows kind of refer, reaffirming the people's loyalty to God and their covenant with God in that the people say all that the Lord says we will do. And that's a reflection of Exodus 19. And, um, and so it just shows if we are uh, uh, concerned about our ability to feel the Holy Spirit, um, Acts 2 gives us a beautiful picture of, of what we can do in order to be prepared to hear him better. Um, and if you're not, if you don't feel the Holy Spirit resting on you, if you're concerned about uh, this uh, this uh, disconnect between you and the Holy Spirit, be with other believers. Um, uh, spend all night in study. Um, uh, you know, uh, Feast of Weeks was all about tithings and offerings. Make sure you're doing that, um, and then uh, that will all all these things will prepare you to hear the Holy Spirit. I, I you know, this isn't necessarily biblical, but it's what I imagine that uh, the, the disciples, as they were finishing their Bible study, <laughs> yeah, no. they said, all that the Lord says, we will do. And at that moment, the Spirit descended and gave them this greater connection and reconciliation to God. They, say, they said yes to God before they knew what God would ask. Mm-hmm. In fact, that's exactly what the, mm-hmm. the people of Mount Sinai did, what the Lord said we will do. Then the command was given. If we surrender to God... Then right. he gives us mm-hmm. the spirit. Oh, and that surrendering of God is that—that's the reason why you have tongues of fire. That's right. Uh, you really that, want to go back to that? <laughs> I, don't I really you? do because we are all Romans twelve one. We're all living sacrifices to God. That's right. Mm-hmm. And one of the ways that God showed us through the Older Testament that He was pleased with our sacrifice was when He enveloped that sacrifice in fire. There you go. So that was just showing that this new harvest, this new living sacrifice of the early church was pleasing to God, and He blessed do it. You feel better now. That I you do got so that, much uh, better. She needed to get that off. She saw it. it was the spirit led her. That's right. Uh, I'll point out uh, two things just in this passage, and I find it interesting when God's doing a new thing. Uh, it's not scraping away the past. I mean, Peter it immediately goes to Joel and says, "Let's let's make sense of this um, through what God has been doing all along in the last days." So we are in the last days. The the church age. This 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 is the final epoch. Did I say that right? Epoch. Yes. Epic. Epoch. 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 It's is the final epoch of human history. <laughs> uh, that as the gospel spreads, you know, Christ could come at any moment. So the, the, these are the last days. And I will pour out my spirit. So God is willing to give a spirit. We must be willing to be filled with the spirit. And here's the quote I've been waiting to get to the whole time. J. Oswald Sanders, in his book on spiritual leadership, he defines or describes what it means to be filled with the spirit. And he says this, and and I don't know who's writing the pastor's cut. This may be good to include this. To be filled with the Spirit is to be controlled by the Spirit. The Christian's mind, emotions, will, and physical strength all become available to the Spirit to guide and to use. Hmm. That's it. It's a complete surrender. 
uh, to be controlled by the Spirit, our mind, emotions, will, and physical strength all become available for the Spirit to guide and to use. And that's certainly what we see in the apostles from this day forward going into Acts, and it's what we should see in our lives as we live as followers of Jesus. All right, y'all got anything else? I've got a quote from A.W. Tozer. Oh, love that guy. In the pursuit of God, he writes, at the heart of the Christian message is God himself waiting for his redeemed children to push into conscious awareness of his presence. And as we're discussing the Holy Spirit and his role in our lives and what we know and what we can experience, we get to experience God himself. That's the third part of the Trinity, God's presence as we read scripture, as we pray. And so Tozer through this book, The Pursuit of God, invites us to encounter God's presence just by growing through spiritual disciplines. And so maybe a good conversation would even be, how do you experience God's presence? How do you experience the Holy Spirit? And that's where you can have the conversation, well, I've never actually felt God's presence, but I know I feel better when I read Scripture, or when I worship God and sing songs, or whatever. And so you can talk through spiritual disciplines that you use to engage with God as a part of that. That's right, pushing us into awareness. Marissa, mm-hmm. you got anything? Too much. I'll no, just no, stop. just just one thing. Just one thing. Just one thing. Okay. Can you quote Glick again? I no, I did it like eight <laughs> times while you were distracted. Um, I would just look at the transformation that happened in the life of Peter over the fifty-one days since his denial of Christ, and he yeah. the empowerment that he uh, experienced here, and just how excited he must have been to be. Uh, just so filled with the Holy Spirit that he was able to preach this and um, just the, the transforming power of this reconciliation to God. So a good thing to pray. Um, you know, we are given, at the moment we believe we're given God's Holy Spirit, uh, but life just drains us. And so every day, I think one of the essential prayers would be, God, fill me with your presence today. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. And that often means that some other things need to go so God's Spirit may dwell fully. Mm in us. All right. I think that's it. Brad, you got anything? Nope. I do not. Do not. <laughs> he's he's, he's uh, already trout fishing in his mind. No, trout. no. I was uh, muting my, you couldn't hear me like, you know, making coughing noises while you podcasted. So. <laughs> mm. All's well. All's well. All right. Well, that's it for uh, this week. We'll, uh, we'll pick up with um, the theology of the church next week as, oh, and we're going to get to that word in the creed. Uh, I believe in the Holy Spirit. I believe in the Holy Catholic mm. Church. Uh, I think I've already hinted to that, but don't don't react against that word until we understand what it really means. So we'll pick up there next week. Uh, and so for now, we're signing off. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make His face to shine upon you. And may God grant you peace now and forever. Amen. 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 Amen.